up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Creating Madness. I'm here with my co-host, Ethan. Ethan, what's happening? Not much. How are you today, John? Doing pretty good. Recording for the fifth time today. It's been really fun. Multiple interferences, scheduling difficulties, but we're here. And it's a Sunday, which we most likely will start recording on Sunday mornings because my Saturday schedule is very interesting with basketball and stuff. But it's less about us. Let's talk about the people who make this happen. Unwrapped. They've got Patreon. They've got other podcasts you can check out from all sports. And they've got social media that is always being posted. Really interesting content on there. I'd highly advise checking it out. But speaking of socials, we also have some of those. Ethan, tell everyone about those. Well, starting off, we have our Instagram. You have at underscore creating madness. We have an Instagram group chat, which is live pretty much every single day. And we are always talking about what's going on in the CBB universe. And on our story, we always post the polls for games of the week. Make sure you go vote on those every Sunday morning starting this week. And for our Twitter at ATR Madness, we are tweeting updates on games of the week, surprise games, really anything. It's a lot of fun. And both of these we're posting anytime that there is a new episode out. Yep. Uh, just want to reemphasize the Twitter. We're going hard on there, particularly Ethan. Again, I have a very cramped schedule, but. We're making it happen over there. We're posting at least 10 times a day, live tweeting any really big matchup there is, even sometimes even smaller matchups, which are always super fun to check out. So, again, if you're looking for some college basketball content on Twitter, I'd highly advise following us at underscore, at not underscore, at ATR Madness. But that's enough about our socials. Let's get right into the episode. So, we always have our games of the week every week. That's a regular here. So, let's go over the less interesting ones, and then the more interesting ones. So starting off with the less interesting, we got Purdue easily beats FSU. Not really much to talk about here. Every single one of Purdue's players had a great game. Uh, Jay Nivey had 18 points. Zach Eady, in only 19 minutes, had 12 points. Got Caleb first getting a start. He had 19 points, 21 minutes. Uh, off the bench, uh, sorry, off the bench, Trayvon Williams didn't even play much. He only had eight points, but didn't even look like he was trying. And really, there's not much to talk about here. Isaiah Thompson got a start, which is pretty cool to see. Uh, he's been shooting really, really well this year, which is always nice to see out of a young player. Not really much to talk about here. Ethan, moving on to Ice Cam. Michigan State, Louisville, 73-64. The Spartans win. And this Spartans team, I think going into this year, we both thought it was going to be Max Christie. Leads the team in scoring. Everyone else. Is just around him doing what they need to do. No, this is just a completely team-oriented sport in basketball, and the Spartans play that very well. Because they had one, two, three, four people that got double-digit scoring in this game, along with two nine-point scorers. Gabe Brown, Max Christie, Malik Hall, and Jordan Akins all put up double digits, and those are four very key players to the Spartans' run. Two of those players did it off of the bench, which makes it even that much more impressive. As for Louisville, they tried playing their guard dominant style ball. It didn't work this game. They ended up shooting very poorly from 3.26% on 27 attempts, where Michigan State shot 56% from three on 18 attempts. So Michigan State won this game in a relatively dominant fashion, although it was only a nine-point game. Yep. Moving on to another game of the week that was less interesting, but was still, you know, very interesting. It's one of our games of the week. We got Oklahoma playing Florida. 
Uh, Florida on the road, went to Norman, got upset. Sooners came away with the victory. Uh, one of the key reasons why the Gators lost is because they shot 17% from three, and that's being generous. They shot 16.7% from three. And that really started with Tyree Appleby. You know, he's a player that hit the half-court shot for the win in the Battle for Atlanta's tournament. He was playing really well, but he walked into this game and decided to go two for 12 in 30 minutes of play. He did get 11 points, but most of those from free throws, he went five for five. Uh, a player in Florida did play pretty well is Colin Castleton, uh, one of our favorite players in all college basketball, who not only gets it done on the offensive end, but really, really gets it on the defensive end. He also had a really nice offensive game today. He had four – not today. He, uh, that game, he had 14 points on 5-9 shooting, and he also had 11 rebounds and four blocks. So that was really nice to see a big man. Uh, what really made the difference for Oklahoma's victory was their forwards combining for 38 points. Tanner Groves had 20 on really efficient shooting. He went 8-11. And, and Jalen Hill had 18 points on 6 of 8, six of eight shooting, along with going 6 or 7 from the free throw line. You know, Oklahoma's team is never going to wow you. Porter Mosher is a great coach. He's getting a program started there. But what's really going to help them is their big men. They just get on the offensive end every single night. You know, Tanner Rowe isn't necessarily the best defender, but Jalen Hill picks up the slack there. And, you know, when you have guys like Jordan Goldwire is on the perimeter, known for his defense, you know, it seems to be pretty good. They're not, again, they're not going to surprise anyone. They probably aren't going to make the Final Four or make a deep run, but they're definitely going to cause some havoc in the Big 12 and maybe get an upset or two in the tournament. But moving yeah. on to our next game, uh, Ethan, you want to talk about that? Yep. Uh, I'll just start off with Michigan. Obviously, they lost 72-51 to UNC. Michigan, projected top five team, projected top of the Big Ten, competing with Purdue. We gave them the edge. We made that mistake, whatever. So did a lot of other people. I didn't, though. <laughs> Shut up, Shut up, John. That's a stupid <laughs> thing I called you, Ben. All right. So, yeah, no. Michigan has just flopped. I don't even think you – you said Purdue would be better than them, but th- you didn't think this much better. Right. Michigan is falling out of the top 25. This team is just not – I'm not going to say they're not coachable, but, like, they're not playing good. Eli Brooks is the only competent member, it seems like. Hunter Dickinson nearly fouled out, and then the rest of the team just can't shoot for the life of them. Lusa DiBiate is the only one that's actually playing solid out of their freshman. And then, so – yeah. And then moving on to the Tar Heels, Caleb Love is looking like a first-round pick. He's looking like a lottery pick. 22-4-4, 9-16 shooting. Absolutely incredible. Caleb Love should be a top-15 pick in the NBA draft. And then Armando Baycott is looking like the best big man role player in the ACC with 11 points and 14 rebounds. He played a hell of a game. And I think Armando Baycott might potentially be in the running for defensive player of the year for the ACC. Dawson Garcia, the former four or five star, depending on the site, 14 points. He's looking very good for UNC. He played well against Michigan. Michigan, it's okay to drop this game, but not by the amount that they did. Overall pathetic performance from the Wolverines. How did uh, Caleb Houston and Musa Diabati do that game? Because I was really curious as to see, you know, what they're going to do this season. They just haven't been doing much. Musa Diabate, 13 and 3, 5 of 9 shooting. Caleb Houston, 8 and 7, 2 of 9 shooting. You're going to need more of that if you want to be a first-round pick, Caleb. I mean, plain and simple, you're the third player in the country. 
and you can't be averaging under 10 points a game at minimum. So that's just, that's the expectation you need from a guy like that. Really disappointing to see. Hope he picks it up. But moving on to our final game of the week coverage, we got Indiana versus Syracuse. I don't think this is the most entertaining game from this week, but this is top three for sure. We got a double overtime thriller in Syracuse, in the, in the Carrier Dome. Really, really exciting game. High-scoring game, too. This looks like an NBA game. Syracuse won 112 to 110. And they had a lot of help from their starting lineup, who got almost all their points. 106 out of their 112 points came from their starting lineup, considering the fact they only played eight guys. We got Cole Swider with 14. We got Joey Beheim is 26. We got Joe Girard with 22. Buddy Beheim with 27. And Jesse Edwards with 17. I mean, this team has five guys who can legitimately all score like no one's business. And considering the fact that Cole Swider fouled out, and considering the fact that Jesse Edwards fouled out, and they had to rely on their bench, I mean, this is insane, the fact that they got this many points out of these guys. I mean, Joey Bayheim shot very efficiently. 9 of 20 from the field, 4 of 9 from 3. Joey Girard shot really efficient from the field. He had 22 points, 5 of 11 from 3, 6 of 13 from the field. Buddy Bayheim shot less efficiently, but still got the job done with 27 points. He went 3 of 11 from 3 and 10 of 26 from field goal. If they can figure out a way to make this 2-3 defense work in terms of holding teams with less scoring, it should be a really, really good team because their offense is one of the best in the country. All they need to do is fix their defense. Indiana, on the other hand, I think they played a really good game. The one thing they're missing, though, is any production from their star player, Tamar Bates. He's not the star player. Obviously, they trace Jackson Davis. He's going to be a first-round pick. But Tamar Bates only had two points this game. He had one to five shooting, came off the bench, and did essentially nothing. If he did something, this team would have probably won the game. Uh, but Chase Jackson Davis and Miller Cope, their forward duo, tried their hardest. They combined for 59, which was just ridiculous. Uh, they also had some help from guard Parker Stewart, important 20. But, you know, the point of the story is you don't want guys like Race Thompson shooting 14 shots. He did have 17 points. But you want Tamar Bates and guys coming off the bench, even guys like Jordan Geromino. 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 I don't know. That, that's, he has a confusing last name. Tamar Bates and Jordan Geromino, their, their freshman duo, is supposed to be really good. Only had 18 minutes total this game and two points between the two. If you want to have a really good season this year, Indiana, you're going to have to rely on your freshman a little bit more, and they're going to have to produce a little bit more. So I'm really curious to see how these two do in the games to follow, but really disappointing performance to see from these two guys. Probably the only reason why they lost. But moving on to our surprise games of the week. These are games that we didn't necessarily have in our games of the week, but really shocked us, and they were super good. Starting with the very obvious one. I know we didn't have Duke-Ohio State in here, but we thought Duke was going to admit something win based on the fact that they've just beaten Gonzaga and Ohio State was struggling. We get it. We messed up. This was probably the game of the week. We get it, but still didn't have it in our games of the week. Ethan, you want to cover it? I'd actually argue the Syracuse game was game of the week because of the double overtime, but this was definitely one, one of our games of the week. One of our games. Yeah, of the week. this was definitely a surprise, though. 71 66, Ohio State beat the Duke Blue Devils. Duke. Let's you you can't shoot twenty nine percent from three. You can't shoot thirty eight percent from field goal and expect expect to win. It's it's that simple. You can't have twenty three fouls in a game. You can't expect to win like that. You can't have your point guard shooting three of twelve. You can't have your shooting guard shooting four of ten. You can't have your projected number one overall pick shooting four of fourteen. 
I'll give them credit where credit is due. They held EJ Liddell to 14 points. However, when Zed Key gets 20 on you, that's a problem. When you are letting Cedric Russell off the bench, a guy who's been averaging three points a game, drop 12 on you and shoot three of three from three-point land, that's a problem. Duke did not play to their potential. And obviously, you can't knock Duke down too much on the ladder, but they got to play with their potential because when they play like this, I doubt they can make the Elite Eight if they play like this in the Yeah, I mean, they can make the Elite Eight. I mean, if they play like that, no, they yeah, won't. No, actually, I get you. I, they, if, that's a fair point. But overall, it's just Ohio State played a much better game. They shot better. And if Ohio State continues to do that, they'll be right back in the top 25. All right. Well, moving on to our next game, we have a game that was not necessarily a thriller, but these are between two teams with very good records. Um, this is between Wake Forest and Northwestern. Uh, this game went into overtime. It was a really good game. Um, again, not two teams that everyone's freaking out about, but these are two teams you should watch out for. Uh, Wake Forest is currently 7-1. Northwestern is 5-2. and two. And Wake Forest has a pair of really good forwards. In this game, Jake Luriava had 21 points. He also had seven rebounds and three assists. He's one of those guys who's going to make an impact in playmaking, scoring, rebounding, defense. He's really nice to have on your team. They also have a really athletic 6'8 forward in Isaiah Mucus. Mucius? I don't know how to say his name. They're saying it weird on the broadcast, but he was really fun to watch as well. He was super athletic, and I think these two are going to be a real problem in the ACC, considering the fact that not a lot of teams are very strong forwards this year. They also have Alondonis Williams. Sorry, Alondonis. Allendis Williams, who had 21 points this game. So they have three guys who can all score pretty nicely. And they also had a really good game in this. All shooting very, very efficiently from three. Allendis Williams went two for four. Laravia went two for four from three as well. And Musius went three for seven. So this team has a lot of guys who can score. As for Northwestern, they have a few guys who are capable, including Pete Nance, who had 15 points in this game. He's a real big presence on defense for this team, and he's going to be guys holding down the middle for a lot of the game. They also have starter Robbie Baran, 6'9", 215. He's not the most mobile, but he can get them from three. He shot one of two from there. This game is a 45% shooter from there this season. The guy I expected to have more of an impact was Ty Berry. He's supposed to be one of their best players this season. He was had a really good freshman year last year. He's only averaging nine points, so I'm really confused as to what he's doing there. Um, and I think this team could have won if starter Casey Simmons didn't have zero this game. I get that his job is to play defense. He's only a freshman, but zero points. Simmons, come on. We need more out of you there. But I saw that was a really good game, and I watched it. And I'm looking forward to see Wake Forest Northwestern can do the rest of the season. Ethan, you want to cover the next game? Sure. Georgia, shockingly, I say that with quotations around that, it beats Memphis, number 18 Memphis, 82-79. Props to Georgia here. You beat a ranked team. A ranked win is a ranked win. Will Memphis ever be ranked after this week? Hopefully not. Well, well not hopefully not. I mean, they keep on playing like this and they won't. But... Well, right, no. If they keep on playing like this, then they shouldn't be ranked. Yeah. Like, when Omani Bates and Jalen Duran are combining for 21 total points, that's a problem. 5-11 of 11, 5-7 shooting. That's not the worst thing in the world. 
but it's not top five material. When Alex Lomax score and Landers Nolly both score more points than those guys, along with Lester Kinois. I can't pronounce that name. Sorry. When those three are scoring more points than them, that's a problem. When DeAndre Williams is scoring the exact or more points than them, that's a problem. Those two are star play- or star players coming into it. It's not looking like it now. As for Georgia, Oquendo, I cannot pronounce that name. I'm sorry. Just absolutely stunned Memphis with 24 points. This was Georgia's game to win because they just played better down the stretch. Congrats to Memphis. You're going to drop out of the top 25. And I can't even blame the players much here. I mean, they always get the top talent in the country, but Penny Hardaway just can't seem to really get it done the court, and it's really disappointing to see considering the fact that he's one of the smartest NBA players of all time, at least when this play on the court. But moving on to arguably my game of the week, this is a not one – not two, not three, but four overtime thriller between the NC State Wolfpack and the Nebraska Cornhuskers. And we like to give Nebraska a lot of crap, but they do have some players on this team this year. They're five and three. I get it. They've played a lot of cupcake teams, and they lost a really, really bad opener to Western Illinois. But at the same time, you know, this team does have some players that can play. They lost this game by four, but not in part to Alonzo Verge's play and Bryce McGowan's play. They combined for 49 with Verge getting 25 and Bryce McGowan's getting 24. Bryce McGowan's every single time he steps on the court, he keeps on going at first round draft pick. He had 24 points on decently shooting efficiency this game. And Alonzo Verge Jr. is also making a name for himself in this Nebraska team. But when your forwards in, was it 60 minutes of play combined for 20 points, along with your other guard, Keon Edwards, having, wait for it, zero points in. A 60-minute game, like, that's ridiculous. Like, you can't have that happen at all. It's ridiculous. We also have Kisi Tominga. He had 16 points on the bench. It's really nice to see out of a guy like that. He ended up playing most of the games of his play. But if you're the rest of your starting lineup is going to put up 20 points in a 60-minute game, I don't really know what else to say outside of the fact that it's disappointing to see. But moving on to NC State. This team shot 18% from three and won this game. They also shot 37% of the field. Why did they win this game? They won because they got absolutely carried by Darian Sebron. This sophomore guard had 39, 18 rebounds, six of them being offensive, along with two steals, two assists, and two blocks. This guy is a stud. He went 17-20 from the free throw line, went 11-22 from the field, and played 57 minutes while guarding Bryce McGowan's the whole time. Bryce McGowan's did have 24 points, but he only shot 9-22 from the field. Meaning that this guy essentially played 57 minutes of really good offense and really good defense. That's incredibly impressive regardless of what level of basketball you're playing. But considering the fact that this is college and the average game is only about 40 minutes long, this guy's a stud. NC State has a really good one coming in if he decides to stay when Robert Dillingham comes in as well. I also want to mention real quickly that there was a giant fight in this game. Or not a giant fight, but there was definitely a large scuffle at the end. Someone had an M13 for NC State and the benches had to rush in and try and break up the fight. That was really fun to see the highlights of. And I don't know, it makes college basketball more fun when we see stuff like this because it shows that the players really, really do care. But moving on to our next game. Ethan, you want to talk about Utah Valley BYU, the thriller? The fact that we're calling this a thriller is sad. 
It is. That is very sad. But it was a really good game. 72-65 Utah Valley beats number 12 BYU. Uh, just an ugly night for the Cougars. 32% from field goal, 26% from three. And the final eight minutes of regulation and overtime, they made just five baskets. Alex Barcelo, 6 of 16. Tijon Lucas, 4 of 15. And Loner, 2 of 11. Absolutely pathetic shooting for those guys. And not that you're not allowed to have an off night, but an off night for three starters is a really bad thing. As for Utah Valley, Fardaz Amik absolutely killed it. He's one of the best players in the country. I was just adding no clue. He's a stud. He's averaging like 21 in 15 a game this season. It's ridiculous. He's yeah. playing out of his mind. And the 24 points and 22 rebounds definitely helped those stats a little bit. Oh, my goodness. Against BYU, yeah. too? God. Yeah. This is just – if you're a Utah Valley, you got to take this win ride high for the rest of the season. If you're BYU, don't let it affect you. You have a couple more important games before Gonzaga. Just ride high. You can't – you don't want to take too many more losses because you're not in a conference that – necessarily is guaranteed a couple spots outside of the conference winner. You got to figure out how to guard big men. I get it that Faridaz Aminik is one of the best players in the country, but at the same time, he's on a Utah Valley team where they only rely on him to get buckets and rebounds. Like when you're playing against Gonzaga and other teams in the tournament with elite big men, maybe like Illinois or a team like Michigan with Hunter Dickinson, I get Illinois isn't playing that good, but you know, teams with elite big men, it's going to be really hard to guard them. If you can't guard Faridaz Aminik, so I'm, I'm really concerned for this BYU team after this loss. I get that it's only one game, and maybe BYU had an off night, but you got to look out for the Cougars on upset watch because if they can't guard Fardos, I mean, they're going to have a really hard time with other great big men in this league. But moving on to our tier list, we're not going to take too much time on this. It's pretty similar to last week. We want to go over a few important changes we made. In our top tier, there was three teams last week. Now there's only one. I think you can guess who it is if you've been calling college basketball season. It's Purdue. They have an unbelievable team. They have two of the top 10 big men in the country on their roster alone. They also have a first-round draft pick, bona fide first-round draft pick, actually, in Jay Nivey, and they have great shooting with Isaiah Thompson and Stephen Sinovich. I mean, this team is filled to the brim with talent. They've got everything you can want, shooting, playmaking, post-presence on offense and defense, perimeter defense, you name it, they've got it. That's why they're in their top tier, not to mention the fact that they're undefeated against really good competition. But our second tier, Ethan, you want to talk about it, is really, really good. Yes, it is. And you got Alabama, Villanova, UCLA, Texas, Baylor, Kentucky, Duke, Gonzaga. All of these teams have potential to get to number one. For them to get to number one, we need to see a Purdue loss. <laughs> uh, I, yeah. I think it's really just because these teams have that loss. And then Purdue has just been so dominant with the exception of only being Iowa by seven. but Which, even then, that's not even that bad. Keegan, oh, no. Murray's, Keegan Murray's a stud. I don't think he played that much that game, if at all, to be honest. But I was talking about how good the Iowa team is. Yeah, I, I know. But still, if you're Purdue, they're predicted to be win every single game except at Illinois for the rest of the year. Purdue very well might finish the year as the number one team. We'll see. We'll see. But, well, you know, they, do, they are a really good team. 
if they continue this, yeah. they they deserve that number one tier. Bama, Bama could take them. Gonzaga could take them. All any of these teams, with the exception of UCLA and Texas, could take them. I don't know about that. Uh, it's maybe a Longhorn bias, but I think Texas potential. But moving on, don't want to spend too much time on that. Tier three, we've got Houston, Arkansas, Arizona, Tennessee, Wisconsin, UConn, USC, Iowa State. Uh, Houston, Arkansas, Arizona, Tennessee, Wisconsin, UConn. They all stay the same. Johnny Davis, Wisconsin's absolutely killing it. The guard tandem of uh, Tyrese Martin and RJ Cole for UConn is killing it. Uh, Arizona's been moving up the rankings faster and faster. U of H is still a great team. Uh, Arkansas and Tennessee are still getting it done. But the two new additions of USC and Iowa State have been absolutely great. Uh, USC hasn't lost a game this season. We predicted they weren't going to be that good like they were Elite Eight finish last season. But Boogie Ellis and Isaiah Mobley have been absolutely killing it. I'm really excited to see what the Trojans can do in Pac-12 play, considering the fact that it's going to be a lot weaker than last year. Along with Iowa State, firing Steve Fromm was the best thing they could do for this program. Uh, this team is moving up faster and faster, and – we thought losing Razier Bolton was going to be a game changer for this team. It's not. They're a phenomenal program, and I don't think they've lost a game either. No, they've lost one game. But point is, they've been playing great. They've beaten some really good teams, and they deserve the Tier 3 spot. Anything you're talking about Tier 4? Yeah, sure. You have St. Bonaventure, who have been absolutely killing it. You have Illinois. You have Auburn. You have Michigan State. You have Oklahoma. You have Ohio State. So, just starting off, St. Bonaventure, yes, they have a couple of losses. Yes, they have. Wait, actually, do they have a couple? No, they do not. My they do not. It's all good, though. Yep. Who does have a couple of losses here? Illinois. Illinois was predicted to be a top 10 team, according to AP poll. Did not get it. They, they completely fell off. Kofi's back now from the suspension. He's been killing it. This Illinois team has potential to rise up or fall down even lower. Auburn. They have their few key pieces. They can move up. Michigan State, like I mentioned before, team-oriented basketball is what won some games. They could very well knock off some of these top-tier teams in two and three. It's just a matter of if they shoot well. And Oklahoma, we saw them beat Florida. I think that they might have potential to be the best team in the Big 12 if they can keep that up. And Ohio Dude, State. Okay, okay. Kansas, I, Texas, Baylor, come on. I said half potential, didn't say that they would be. And then Ohio State knocked off Duke. They have some bad losses, though. We'll see what they can do. Yep. And moving on to Tier 5, we're not going to cover every single team, considering there's 12 teams here. But we have Xavier, North Carolina, Indiana, Providence, Loyola, Chicago, Colorado State, Florida State, Virginia Tech, West Virginia, Michigan, BYU, and Florida. I'm going to cover the most interesting ones. Uh, North Carolina moves into our tier list after getting a huge W against Michigan and having Caleb Love look like a lottery pick. Uh, despite the loss, Syracuse, Indiana is still here. They've only lost one game this season, and they're still a really, really good team. Uh, BYU was in tier four. Now they're not. Devastating loss to Utah Valley. Can't really have that happen anymore. Michigan was in our, one of our top tiers to start the season, but they have drastically fall off due to the fact that they just can't play functional basketball. And Florida wasn't one of our top tiers, but despite losing to Oklahoma, uh, even though they're on the road, they had to drop a tier because that's not the loss you're going to take to an unranked team. So that's the rest of our tier list. Now we got to move into our records of our games of the week. I'm really excited for this segment. Ethan's not really excited, but he's still got to do it. Ethan, give us the rundown. All right, so last week was a terrible week for me. 
two and three. I'm thirteen and seven on the season. Fans three and two. They're officially ahead of me, both me and John right now. But we'll come back this week. They're fourteen and six. John finally won a week. Four and one on the week. Eleven and nine total. Yeah. You're still down by two games to me and three games to the fans. I wouldn't Whatever. be so excited. But Whatever. I, he, I had a good week. He finally had a good week. And why did you have a good week, John? Uh, I was picking some upsets like I usually do, and they really, really, uh, especially in the Michigan game and the Florida-Oklahoma game. Uh, as we went over in our games of the week segment, uh, Syracuse defeated Indiana, which we which we both got wrong. We both picked Indiana. Uh, then we had FSU playing – Mich- we had FSU playing Purdue. We both picked Purdue. That was easy dubs. Ethan picked Michigan. I picked North Carolina. The Heels ended up winning because Michigan just couldn't play functional basketball. That was really fun to watch, especially hearing Ethan's reaction live, which we can't say on air. <laughs> then we got uh, we got Michigan State playing Louisville. Both picked Michigan State. They won that game convincingly. Then we had Florida and Oklahoma. Ethan picked the Gators. I picked the Sooners. Despite how much I didn't want to pick Oklahoma, I just had a funny feeling they were going to win it. And because I'm brilliant, they ended up winning. Don't question it. Um, so that's really into that for this week. But we have a new segment that we're really excited about. It's called What is Going On With This Team? Because there's a lot of teams that we just don't know what's going on with them. Um, some weeks we're doing negative connotations. Other weeks we're doing positive. But this week we have a negative because there's three teams that we just – genuinely don't know what's going on we've touched on a little bit on a few of these teams but we just want to talk about them more in depth we've got maryland michigan and memphis ethan what is going on with these teams you want to start off with any of them really sure let's start off with maryland who just lost a close one to northwestern 67 to 61 it's almost a good thing that you delayed us for about five hours recording so we can mention that in that game what can i say about Maryland, besides the fact that finally you fire your coach. New era in Maryland. And what's the first thing that happens? They lost. They shot absolutely terribly with Ayala and Scott combining of four of 23. They shot 29 from just field goal, but 43% from three point land. At least they got the threes down. They just got to work, you know, in the paint and the mid range and everything. So. But they, they just couldn't stop Boo Booey. This Maryland team's going to need to have a comeback, and that's going to have to happen in the offseason. Everyone was so high coming into the season on them, and they're just completely falling down people's charge. Yep. Really disappointing to see. Next team I want to talk about is Eden's favorite team in college basketball, the Memphis Tigers. <laughs> uh, you know, this is a team where they have all the talent in the world. They have two guys who are going to be first-round draft picks in a few months. Actually, Money Bates can be a first-round draft pick since his age, but he's going to be a first-round draft pick when his time comes. They also have Jalen Duran, and they have a few other guys who are really, really talented, but they just can't do anything. It's so annoying to watch. I mean, these guys are basically running around playing iso ball in their own college. Like, you got to have some sort of offense, Penny. Come on. Uh, Amoni Bates is averaging 11 points or 12 points, sorry, but he's doing it really inefficiently. He's shooting also weirdly inefficient from the free throw line too. He's only shooting 69%, which is weird considering that he's supposed to be one of the best years in college basketball. Jalen Duran is barely averaging 10 points. He's only playing 24 minutes a game. He is getting eight rebounds, which is pretty good, I guess. Um, DeAndre Williams isn't even supposed to be a big factor in this team, but he's the second leading scorer in points, uh, along with the fact that he's shooting 16% from free which is scary. Landers Noli 
uh, and Alex Lomax are supposed to be the point guards of this team, and they came and averaged more than three assists per game. I'm really scared to see what this team does in conference play because they have some really good teams. They got teams like Houston, Wichita State, even a team like SMU could come up and beat them if they're playing like this. And frankly, I just don't want to see what happens because this is going to be a massacre and Benny's going to get fired. And we're going to lose one of the best recruiters in college basketball. But you want to talk about our final team as our Big Ten analyst? We're talking about what's going on with Michigan because it's scary. We already touched on it a little bit, but we're going to go in a little more in depth considering that this is bad. I'll be honest. I don't know what the hell is going on with this team. Hunter Dickinson is not providing the points that you think you think he would. He's averaging fourteen point five. He's getting eight and a half rebounds. He's being the big man. He's doing what he his job is. It's just besides him and Elijah Brooks, Eli Brooks, who who's stepping up? Caleb Ellen. Houston. Nope. Nine point eight points on not the best shooting splits with thirty six point eight and thirty five. Lucid DiBiate, 7.6 points. Johns is not even getting the minutes that he was expected to with only 18 and then getting five in those. Just not the best of terms for this Michigan Wolverines team. They're not shooting the ball as well as they need to be. They shoot it 46%, just not when the games actually count. Yeah, no, this Michigan team is really struggling to get anything done and you know, Big Ten plays can be really tough. They keep on playing like a bunch of four-year-olds out there. Um, but let's move on to our next segment. We're going to talk about our games of the week. For next week, we've got a really, really stud-loaded lineup. I don't even know how to say that, but it's going to be really fun to watch some basketball next week. We've got Texas versus Seton Hall, Houston versus Alabama, Arkansas versus OU, Wisconsin versus Ohio State, and BYU versus Utah State and kind of our mid-major game of the week. Um, let's give our predictions, shall we? Sure. Texas, right. Seton Hall. Obviously, we know who you're going with. We got the Longhorns in this one. Get a battle of the guards that we're going to win easily. Uh, nothing more, nothing less. Texas wins by, I don't know, 80. <laughs> maybe not, maybe not 80, but, but they're, they're going to, I think they're actually going to win. I think it's going to be pretty, I think it's going to be a good game. I'm not going to disrespect Seton Hall. They're a good team. Really tough Big East team, but I think we got the dub on this one. I agree. This is Texas's win. If they lose it, I mean, I'm pretty sure Seton Hall's currently winning in the poll, so that won't be good for us. Yeah, according to ESPN, uh, they're actually favored to win, which is a bit disturbing. Um, but Yeah, g- give me Texas. I-, I like Texas in this game. Yep. Thank you. Moving on to our next game, we got Houston versus Bama. Bama just came off of beating Gonzaga. I think it's pretty hard not to choose them in this game, considering the fact that Houston is very inferior to Gonzaga. I've got Bama and so is Ethan, nothing more, nothing less. It's pretty obvious. Yeah, agreed. Although Houston does have a good team, Bama has the best backcourt in the country. Yeah. Um, the only problem is that Bama's backcourt is not that good at defense. If Marcus Sasser is 35, then things could change, but I don't really see that happening in this game. Next up, we've got Arkansas versus OU. This is one of our first games where we have a split. I'm riding with the Sooners again. They did me well against Florida. I've got them against Arkansas. Probably not the best pick, but Arkansas's big men have been playing pretty subpar this season. So I've got Tanner Groves and Jalen Hill taking over and getting the dub. Ethan's got Arkansas, though. You want to elaborate? Yeah, I think Arkansas, I'm riding, their, I'm riding the gospels here. I love Arkansas here. 
I think that Arkansas is a top 10 team right now in college basketball. And I very well could see Arkansas having a better run than they did last year. Riding the must bus, I see. Pretty, <clears throat> pretty, pretty sad. Pretty sad, actually. But moving on to our next game, we got Wisconsin versus Ohio State. Again, we have a split in this one. Ethan's riding the hot hand, Johnny Davis. I've got Ohio State, though, considering the fact they just beat Duke. Um, my explanation is pretty simple. Ohio State, EJ Liddell, pretty much one of the best teams in the country when they're having a good night, and I think they're going to have a good night against Wisconsin, considering the fact that Wisconsin's really not that good on defense. But Ethan has a different opinion. You want, to, you want to elaborate? Yeah, sure. I'm going with Wisconsin here, just because Wisconsin has been, although this year maybe not so much, but Wisconsin's known for their defense. I think that they're going to eventually get back into that Wisconsin form. They've been a phenomenal three-point shooting team. Brad Davidson, the 12th-year senior, <laughs> has been absolutely killing it this year. And I think that that Ohio State win was a fluke. I think that this is going to be the downfall of Ohio State for the re- starting now for the rest of the season. Is it, isn't it actually his seventh year, though? Yeah, like yeah. Yeah, he's, like, older than, like, Devin Booker. <laughs> Who's been in the NBA for like four years, five years? I think yeah, no, I think he's older than Devin Booker, which is just ridiculous. Um, moving on to our final game, it's a very obvious pick, but we had to include it on here because it's a super good game, and there is potential for an upset. We got BYU and Utah State. Um, we already saw BYU lose to an interstate school in Utah Valley. They could do it again in Utah State. They traditionally have a very good program, although their coach just left. I still think Utah State has a chance. The Aggies have a really good team this year, but BYU is BYU. And despite losing Utah Valley, we still have faith in their team. Yeah, I 100% agree with what you're going here, John. I think that we don't have, we only have the two disagreeing picks. And this is BYU's to lose here. If BYU loses this game, I think you got to unrank them. We're going to have to seriously reevaluate. Yeah, Utah State's a great team. It's just BYU's BYU here. I, I think this is B, this is BYU's to lose. They need to win it. For sure. And before we head to the outro, I'm going to give a quick update. Uh, so I recorded Sunday at 2.17 my time, 1.17 Ethan's time. Instead of Saturday, I have basketball on Saturdays, and I didn't want to sacrifice my sleep for messing up my game so I could do this. So we decided to record Sunday. That didn't end up working. Uh, in the morning because I got interrupted by some hockey kids, and then now we're here. So this is about our actual fourth time recording. So it's been really stressful for me and Ethan, but we actually had a really fun time recording this episode. This is a fantastic recording. So if you're still all the way here, then thank you for listening, and I hope you had a really fun time. See you next Sunday. Yep, see you all later.